the good news that Jesus Christ is alive today. That Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, he rose again out of the grave, and he's alive today. And he's here with us now. We can't see him, but what Jesus commanded his disciples to do was to go and do what he did. I don't know if you noticed at the beginning of the film, just, you know, just watch, he said to his disciples, just watch. In other words, he'd take his disciples along to show him what they would do. And the interesting thing was that after Pentecost, about a few months later, Peter and John did almost exactly the same healing of a cripple lying outside the temple because they'd seen Jesus do it. And so Jesus said this. He says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. And we go on and it reads, it says, Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by signs that accompanied it. Jesus Christ healed in the past, and he heals today. And the big question is, do you want to be healed? And we're going to come to that later. There are two things that I want to say, um, is that the most important healing that anyone can receive is when they repent of their sins and they accept Christ into their life. And the reason why that's the most important healing is because when we die, if we believe, we will go on into a place where there's no more sickness, no more pain, no more suffering. That is the most important healing, the healing of our spirit, the healing of the inner healing that we receive. There's also, of course, the healing of our bodies, and that happens too. But the other thing is that Believers, could you please put up your hand, um, close your eyes so don't look around, put up your hand if you're a believer here, you believe in Jesus, just put your hand up, you believe in Jesus. Right, you, you have been commissioned to lay hands on the sick so that they might get well again. You're commissioned, we're commissioned to do it, it's our joy and it's our delight to do it. It's also a very fearful thing, I don't know about you, but you know, when it comes to praying some, for somebody who's sick, There's always that fear, it will never work with me. But on Tuesday this week, Colleen, our receptionist, was in the office, and a lady called Sharon, is Sharon here? No, she's not here. A lady called Sharon came into the church and said, I want prayer for healing. So I got together with Colleen and we asked her what the problem was. And she said, oh, my iron levels are very depleted. I'm very, very tired I'm feeling worn out, I'm very stressed, but my iron levels are depleted. So I said, come on, let's come in here and pray. So we came here and we said a very simple prayer. We anointed her with oil. Um, There's a little scripture in the book of James about if there's someone sick, anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will bring the person out of their sickness. So we just laid hands on her. Laid hands on her doesn't mean like this, it just means put a gentle hand on her And this is what we said. We said, iron levels come up in Jesus' name. 
That's all he said. Just like Jesus said, get up. It wasn't, oh Lord, you know, this person's so sick. It's just get up in Jesus' name. Anyway, Thursday, she comes into the office. Well, I said to her, please, would you go and see your doctor now? Because you can't go and get another blood test without your doctor giving you the order. So she went to um, her doctor, presumably. She got an order, and she came in on Thursday morning to say her blood levels, her iron levels had gone right up. Praise the Lord for that. Now, at this point... Um, we've got an Australian in the building and he's going to come and stand up next to me and he's wearing an Australian jersey. So are you, come on up, Ewan. This is my brother from Perth, Australia. Give him a good hand. <laughs> Notice. So for any All Blacks here, I know there's a great All Black fan. You can um, make sure you give him a good, you know... I, I keep reminding him that actually there's a, that there's a Kiwi who's coaching their rugby team. But I did hear the Western Force beat the Hurricanes <clears throat> last night, so Ewan. So um, basically my brother Ewan is over here for a month and he's visiting my mum who's also here today who was living in Taupo and they've both come up together and they're with us for a week. And I've asked Ewan if he would share his testimony, his story of how he came to faith in Jesus, how he came to put his trust in Jesus. So Ewan, over to you and I'll stand here with you, mate. No, you can, you can sit down. <laughs> Kia ora. <clears throat> Thanks for having me. Lorne told me there'd be 10 parishioners here, but I reckon I can count at least 50, probably. Anyway, getting into my story, um, I'm sure I aged my parents prematurely as I was certainly both a challenge and a disappointment to them in my school years. Unlike my siblings on leaving school, I went straight into the workforce and a few years later with some money under my belt, I decided to go travelling and after a couple of years, I ended up in South Africa where I worked and courted my wife-to-be, Tessa. A few years later, we moved to Sydney, Australia in 1982, and then from there we, we, we moved through to Perth in Western Australia. Unfortunately, Tessa and I divorced in 2005, as I had met another lady. During all this time, distressing time, my mum and dad both accepted and even supported me, which did surprise me. But they both loved Tessa and my girls. After leaving, I had a succession of unsuccessful relationships and found myself drinking, smoking, gambling, partying, living excessively, I was lucky that Tessa and my daughters didn't turn their backs on me and I'm very grateful for that. Then Dad got sick and of course uh, being in WA it was uh, not that easy when you've got a business just to drop everything and come but I did come over um, 
about three months before he passed and spent some time with him and mum, which I'm very grateful for. And then I returned back to Perth and within, I think it was a month or two, Dad passed, so I went back for the funeral. The day after returning from New Zealand, it was a Sunday, and I woke up with the feeling that I should go to church. Church was a bit foreign to me. Um, after having been brought up in an Anglican household and not being forced, but being told to go to church every Sunday, when I left home into the world, I turned my back on the church completely. But that morning, I knew I had to go. So I went to the local church and, um, well, it was pretty emotional and um, it was very hard to control my emotions that day. A week later, I was having breakfast at um, a, a cafe which was attached to Hillside Church and Kerry Pierce, who's from Kerry, Kerry, we've got a Kiwi pastor at our church, asked if he could join me and invited me to come to Sunday service, which I did. Within about nine months, at a men's meeting on a Tuesday evening, I got saved and I committed my life to Jesus. I was then baptised. I've made some great friends who have helped encourage me to pursue the Lord. One of our congregation... In particular, Brian had taken me under his wing and he helped me every evening with deliveries tirelessly because I had a furniture shop. And it was about that time that they put out a, an altar call for the use of a vehicle for the food ministry that uh, Hillside run. So I uh, lent them my furniture van, which they used during the day, and then they brought it back and I used it in the evening for deliveries. Since becoming a Christian, I've found that I have so much to give back to the community. I spend some of my time visiting and nurturing some men from a hostel nearby. nearby. Um, and they all suffer from different forms of mental illness. So, back to the business. The business had been good. I had it for 25 years. The business had been good for many years. And then from GFC onwards, it was a downward spiral. Um, a lot of major companies from the eastern states moved into WA, bent on stamping out small little independent operators. So my business got into a, a bit of difficulty. I made some poor business decisions, namely to expand, which was the worst decision of my life in the business. So fortunately, the original business, Forestfield Furniture, was able to cope uh, with the debt that I'd put the business in. I had considered uh, administration or bankruptcy, I don't know what you call it here in, 
um, in, in New Zealand. But something inside me said no. And after getting advice, I spoke with Lorne at length, Brian, of course. They all told me to, to be patient. Looking like there was nowhere, no way out, there was a knock on the door one day and a, a local second-hand dealer wanted to move and they were interested in my premises. They made stipulations about how they wanted to move into the business and the major one was the stock because they were carrying a lot of stock themselves which they wanted to move into the into shop and they were only prepared to pay for $15,000 worth of stock. And at that time I had $80,000 worth of stock. So with three months to go, I needed to sell $100,000 worth of stock, which was um, figures that I had only done probably 15 years previously in the good times. So we started a clearance sale and COVID hit. COVID did an amazing thing for my business. People weren't able to travel to Bali or to Europe or to America. They were mainly homebound. They all wanted a new mattress, a new lounge suite. Our sales went through the roof. We were doing some days, Brian and I were doing deliveries from 5 o'clock until 9 p.m. I was having to buy stock in to keep up with the sales. <laughs> Anyhow, we did a stock take on the 30th of June and the stock was $13,873. I was blessed. They paid me for the business. And the greatest news of all was I was able to pay off all my debt to the banks. And it left me a little bit of money over. I gifted the van to the church for the, for the ministry. And now I'm a full-time volunteer. I work five, sometimes six days a week for St John Ambulance, the Salvation Army, Emergency Service, Margaret Court Community Outreach and Hillside Church and a little bit of work with Salisbury House Hostel. I love serving our Lord in the community. Thank you. You know, the Lord's interested in every aspect of our life, isn't he? Whatever struggles we have, he's interested. He loves us. And you know, when we give our lives to him, we become his children. And what parent wouldn't care for their children? It's not that when you're not a Christian, God doesn't care about you because nothing could be further for the point. When you're not a Christian, God loves you so much that he sent his only son into the world to die for you. That's how much God loves us. It was interesting, Ewan, you know, I was thinking about the video that we saw and the scripture that we read. 
when Jesus, you know when Jesus healed that cripple? He found him in the temple a little bit later, and this is what he said to him. He said to him, See, you've been made well. Sin no more unless a worse thing happens. I think what Jesus was saying to the man was this. He was saying, I love you. I came to you at that pool and I sought you out amongst all the others who were sick and unwell. I knew you'd been there a long time, 38 years. It's now time for you to put your trust in me. I am the only one who can save you. If you don't put your trust in me, you think lying by a pool for 38 years is a bad thing. If you don't put your trust in me, a far worse thing will happen. It's called hell. It's living in a state of eternal separation from God, your healer and your saviour. It's no eternal life, no future hope, no heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not our good works, not all the things we do that are good, we think we're a good person, not counting up the positives over the negatives. It's only through Jesus that we can have eternal life. I became a Christian in 1979, reading this verse from the Bible. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't rely on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And there are three things before we offer prayer for the sick that I want to say about that story we read had read to us about John from John. The first thing is, God knows every situation in your life in this room. There's not nothing that he does not know about you. The Bible says this, O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. And Jesus went to that man and he knew that he had been lying there for a very long time. He knew. It's like Jesus going to Wangarei Hospital, and you'd expect if Jesus walked in that he'd go through every ward and heal every person. No. It's like Jesus going to Wangarei Hospital and saying, where's Ward 14? I've got an appointment with someone in room 3 and bed 2. That's how much God knows about you. He loves you. So there's nothing he doesn't know about you. So whatever situation you've come here today in, whether it's need for inner healing, physical healing, um, forgiveness for sins, God knows. And he's just waiting for a response. The second thing I want to say is that Jesus wants us to believe that we can be made well. He wants us to believe that. What did he say to the man? Do you want to be healed? That's a stupid question for someone lying there for 38 years. Do you want to be healed? 
What a stupid question. But it was a poignant question. It was so direct. He gave all sorts of excuses why he couldn't get into the pool. Maybe he just wasn't expecting to be healed. Maybe his infirmity had become his identity. It was all wrapped up in his identity. I'm sick. Maybe he was relying on charity because he's sick. You know, um, Philip and Janine, who are here today with, with us, um, went, we went to Nepal um, to do some ministry of healing. And, you know, they told us that there are beggars in Nepal who actually wound themselves so they can live on charity. They'll cut their leg off or do something like that so they cannot work and so they live on charity. And Jesus said, do you want to be well? And I don't know about you here today in what condition you're in. And the question would Jesus would say to you is, do you want to be well? Because there's only one person who can make you well, and that is Jesus Christ. Look, we believe in doctors. We believe in the medical profession. Some of the finest doctors I know are fine Christian people. And sometimes in the Bible, you're, you're actually, people were actually told, like there's a guy called Nehemiah, I think it was, who was told, Hezekiah, to go and put a poultice of figs on his boil and then he'd be well. The prophet told them to do that. So sometimes um, going to the doctor is good, but Jesus is the ultimate healer. And we're talking today about divine healing. <clears throat> the third thing I want to say is Jesus can heal the most impossible thing that you could think of. I mean, after all, he raised three people from the dead. He himself was raised out of a grave. Death is the worst thing that can happen to us. You know, there's nothing that God cannot heal. Nothing is impossible for him. So whatever your condition today, be assured that God can heal you. Now, I want to make a couple of disclaimers here. I know that some people have been for prayer before, and prayer hasn't helped. Ewan said a beautiful thing, be patient. You know, there was a man that Jesus stuck some mud in his eyes, and he said, go and wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. And he went. He wasn't healed immediately. And when he washed his eyes, he could see. Sometimes it takes time for healing to happen. But the worst thing you can do is, if you're prayed for today, is to go home and think, well, nothing happened to me. So is to say, thank you, Lord, that I met with you today and I'm believing for healing. Allow the healing to happen in your life. So what I want to do now is very simple. I, I want to um, pray... I want, to I want to invite you all to stand. How about you stand? Come on, stand. That's it. What I want to do, first of all, is I want to just ask if anyone here 
you need your sins forgiven. You've never, ever asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins. I want to pray a simple repentance prayer. And I'd love you just to echo that. Maybe we could all say it out loud together, which will give space for anyone who wants to really genuinely pray that prayer, to pray it. The promise is this. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so what we're saying is trusting in Jesus is ultimate. And so here's a prayer that you can pray. Please pray it out loud. Um, That will help people who are really playing it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong in my life. Thank you that you died on a cross for me. Thank you that you love me. I need forgiveness. Lord, I repent of all my sins. And just in the quietness of your heart now between you and the Lord, if there's anything on your conscience that you want to repent of, would you please just tell the Lord in the quietness of your heart?